0: Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 284, Ordinary Wardrobe Magic, Sunday, August 29th, 2021. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. Each time I record an episode, I post show notes, photographs, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyinhu.com. You can find the Yarns at Yinhu podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now via Facebook. I've been working to reintegrate the podcast with Facebook. Thank you for those of you who have found me and joined me there. You can get the podcast there And also my feed is updated with all of the posts that I make to Instagram. So thank you for those of you who have been joining me. I think it's important to expand my presence on some of these other platforms since fewer and fewer folks seem to be using the threads on Ravelry these days. It was great to connect with many of you on our Zoom call with Dr. Lily in celebration of Elizabeth Zimmerman's birthday. It was kind of a whirlwind with lots of information, celebration, we sang, and I also announced the prize winners for our baby surprise jacket, Make Along. The photographs posted in Ravelry were just so extraordinary of these finished projects that I actually created slides so that the winning objects um, could be viewed by everyone on our zoom call and one of our winners was present on our zoom call but I think the others were not so I want to make those announcements here and if you are one of the winners get in touch with me in whatever way you choose, through Ravelry, through Instagram message, if you have my email address, you can email me and I will get your prizes out to you. So for the finished object uh, prizes, there were three. Ulrika, who is Delica1340 on Ravelry, won a Online pattern, any purchase pattern you like, uh, worth approximately $10 US. So choose what you want, let me know, and I will be happy to purchase that pattern for you. Barbara, who's BLB on Ravelry, won three additions to her knitting library. So I have two books and a magazine. That were donations to the podcast, and I would like to send them out to you, Barbara, so that you can put them on your shelf or share them with your knitting friends if you choose. Nancy, who is Northern Flickr on Ravelry and who was present for our Zoom call, won the um, Fibrists Fingering Weight yarn in Rose Gold. And I have already sent that out to her and she has received it and is enjoying it right now. And finally, I chose a chatter prize just because there was a lot of camaraderie and chatter on our thread. And the winner for our chatter prize is Jane, who is Prairie Poet on Ravelry. Jane, you are the winner of a Midnight Mercantile drink cozy with a knitting theme so send me your mailing address and I will get that out to you and my plan is to send all prizes um, by mid-September if you are in touch with me soon so congratulations thank you everyone for knitting along on our baby surprise jacket you're very inspiring and I do hope to get back to my knitting of that project soon just sort of I never used to be the kind of knitter who would let projects languish and there are a few that are languishing so it's weighing on me and I I do plan to get back to those in the cooler months The back porch. I have two finished objects to talk about today. One sewn, one knitted, and they're both hats. I unexpectedly cast on and finished in under a week The Crofter's Kep by Wilma Malcolmson. This is the 2021 Shetland Wool Week pattern. It is a free pattern. It is beautifully written, easy to follow, and there are many, many. There's a, a building number of examples in terms of color selection. So if you haven't knit this beanie yet and you're curious about it, there's lots to look at. Uh, the Crofters Cap, as is all of uh, the Shetland Wool Week hat patterns is very traditional fair isle uh, meaning lots of colors I think this has seven colors Um, but only two colors are used at any one time and the motif repeats are small so there's very little if any carrying of of yarns that you need to do when you're knitting even though it looks very colorful and complicated, it's actually not that difficult to execute, and these hats are ideal for first-time color work. I was inspired by uh, Fiber Trek, Sarah, who was showing some photographs of her cap, knit in natural colors, and she had a very dark color as her background color. And I just kept thinking about how striking that was. And even though I really had no business casting on a new project, um, I decided to get out all of my scraps of fingering weight yarn and plan something with a black background and really fiery, vibrant colors coming forward. I love the result there were some yarns that I had really not been using because they didn't seem to go with anything else and they just came out beautifully in the motif of this hat since my gauge is larger than most (laughs) and looser than most my cap is more of a tam shape I could have eliminated some rows, but I wanted to complete the entire design. I probably should have just stayed on the smaller needle for the entire cap. But I did do the corrugated rib uh, on the smaller needle and switched to the larger needle. So this, it's not a beanie. Um, my finished hat is not a beanie. It's more of a tam. It has kind of like a flat drooping top it's kind of cool though because there's this gorgeous star pattern on the top of the hat and you can really see that uh, when it's worn like a tam so i will be enjoying this as soon as the weather gets a bit more crisp that's duck rofters by wilma malcolmson and it's a free pattern available online It's the 2021 Shetland Wool Week uh, pattern. The other hat I have finished, I've been working on for a little while. This is a bucket style hat that I modified from one of the Alabama Channon sewing pattern books. For the fabric, I recycled a shirt a knit shirt that Samuel had put aside for goodwill and I reclaimed all of the very thick black fabric from this shirt and cut out the pattern pieces for the hat from that so this is a black on black Alabama Shannon style hat it has the entire hat has two layers there's a crown and then there's a pretty wide brim. Onto these pieces I used um, color shot uh, fabric paint to apply the fern motif, the same fern motif I used for a dress earlier this spring. And then I sewed the hat together using my sewing machine. But I used several different kinds of hand stitching techniques for the embellishments. I used some beading, I used some different metallic threads, I used couching, and I used the very typical style Alabama Channon um, stitching and then cutting open the top layer of fabric to reveal the one beneath. This, of course, is more striking when you have differently colored fabric as your bottom layer, but I think it still creates uh, dynamic interest and texture when you have uh, the same color. So I'm really glad to have reclaimed this shirt of Samuels. It was kind of wearing out, fraying at the cuffs, had developed some holes, and he just wasn't using it anymore. And it it was interesting to salvage that fabric and use it to make something new and I, I like this hat because I think it's very easy on your hair because it is a knit fabric I think it will not give frizzies and flyaways the same way um, other fabric or knitted fabric might do so I'm eager to wear this or maybe keep it in my car for a rainy walk into the building some days Um, it's really cute and it's the kind of thing I can keep stitching on I've done enough stitching right now that I feel like it's done and I'm ready to wear it but there are aspects of the fern motif that I haven't stitched so I could keep going back and adding to the embellishments of this piece the front porch this summer I've been working on a design that I got inspiration for when I visited Saratoga Springs this April there was a very graphic stylized pillow in the lobby of the hotel where we were staying and when I returned home I became obsessed with attempting to chart this out and thinking about how it could work into a design. So I had a draft and Mary Beth and I worked together to knit this up in kind of like a Christmas in July type spirit we began on July 25th and I am nearly done with mine of course Mary Beth has long been done but there are some intricacies in the stitching up of this pattern and the finishing work so we're going to do that together and test it out and after we do that, I will be interested in uh, a few test knitters to try out the directions and see how it goes. So it's kind of like two rounds of test knitting. Mary Beth and I are working on the first round, and I'll be interested in some knitters for the second round. It's a cowl. It's a colorwork cowl, and It can be knit with two colors, high contrast colors, or it could be knit with a variety of things that you pull from scraps or minis, etc. Sort of in the spirit of an advent um, scarf or cowl. If that interests you and you'd like to try it out and you are game for some Uh, I would say challenging, like a level-up situation in terms of finishing techniques, please let me know. And I need about, I don't know, three or four people would be great for this. My next cast-on will be for my Rhinebeck sweater. I purchased the yarn for this from Battenkill Fiber Mill when Mary Beth and I visited Greenwich, New York in the spring and I'm very eager to cast on for Goldwing, a colorwork yoke sweater in worsted weight yarn designed by Jennifer Steingas. The colors I've selected are a moss green and a kind of like a clay pink. I love this color combination and I'm eager to try this pattern because the way the motif it's kind of like a feather motif is written you're using one color as the main and the other as the contrast and then partway through the motif it flips so you get to see that color play in both of your colors this sweater promises to work up quickly that's what it says in the description (laughs) Uh, I think it will work up quickly and I have wound the first two balls of yarn so as soon as I get it together with the finishing up of this new design I will be casting on for this sweater and perhaps another version of De Crofter's cap because I enjoyed knitting it so much. So I may knit one for a gift or knit one for an auction. A friend of mine hosts an auction for a really good cause and I do try to give her some small handmade items that she can use for the auction. So I think maybe a version of this hat would be a great item for the auction, and it would just be fun to work on again. I also have uh, looming in the background. I am working on finishing up my Fungi Pie socks. This is um, from some Fiber Nymph Dye Works yarn. I began this in the spring, and this is usually my, my travel on-the-go knitting, taking a lunch break kind of knitting that I realized I have not done any of over the course of the summer. So uh, as school starts, I will work on finishing up those socks. The colors are fabulous um, in colors inspired by different kinds of mushrooms. I have one sock complete, and I am now uh, worked down the cuff, leg, and and heel turn, heel flap gusset, all of that, and just kind of motoring on the foot of the sock now. So I foresee some meetings at the beginning of school where I'll be able to do some knitting and really make progress on those. Past week, as I've made preparations for returning to school, I've thought a lot about returning to routine and practices to stay centered and focused and to calm anxiety, of which I have a great deal uh, entering a a school building bursting at the seams, um, which we haven't had for 18 months. And I was thinking about, okay, well, what, what are my assets? Where can I turn for comfort and a sense of well-being? And I think what I'm wearing every day has become sort of a a central point of power and calm and identity for me. When I was young, um, as a child, as a young teacher, I always reveled in that back-to-school shopping and what my new fall wardrobe was going to be. And now, as I've been working toward a mostly handmade wardrobe, I try to focus less on new items and more on what's already in my wardrobe and how I can kind of stretch things out through the seasons, maybe create new looks that I hadn't thought of before by mixing pieces and also making sure that the things I love to wear are in good shape. And I had noticed over the summer as I was washing things and putting them away, that there were a few things irritating me about some pieces and a few places where I noticed uh, a little bit of shoddy workmanship that was coming apart. So I took a few hours this weekend and really worked on mending and repairing some things. And I found it really enjoyable and gratifying. So I want to tell you about three of the things that I did. I have a series of Amy jumpsuits and Amy jumpsuit hacks that are currently some of my favorite things in my wardrobe. And what I noticed was when I was wearing these that the lining I'm using... um, like an acetate or some sort of nylon synthetic lining, the lining was kind of slipping up and revealing itself in the center front and the center back of these garments. And I was thinking about ways that I could keep that down. So two things I did were to stitch down the lining by stitching in the ditch of the side seams of the jumpsuit. And then I also stitched down just about an inch or so from the center front and center back. I stitched down in the center seam to keep that lining from poking up. I haven't tried these yet. I haven't worn them since I made the repair, but... I think that um, this will go a long way in preventing some of the problem that I've had with that. One issue in using such a, a very different fabric to line the garment and sew the garment is that things stretch and wear at different rates. So that synthetic fabric doesn't really stretch at all. But the linen or the double gauze, some of these other fabrics I use do stretch. And I think that is part of you know what's creating the problem. The reason I've continued to use a synthetic lining with these garments is that I am not, um, I'm not installing a zip. So with the jumpsuits especially, to pull it on, pull it up over my hips, it's really helpful to have a slippery fabric there. I may rethink that um, if I make yet another one, and certainly it's not a concern with the ones that are a dress because the dress I just put on over my head. So that slippery quality isn't quite so essential there. The second thing I fixed was my Highlands wrap dress. This is um, a beautiful dress I made in raw silk noil from Fancy Tiger. And there's a lot of detail and finishing work around the, um, the binding of the garment And I had very sloppily bound uh, a few different places so that where I had turned it over and pressed and then stitched, I stitched such that it was coming undone. So I very carefully unpicked that part of the top stitching and I um, sort of addressed any fraying that was happening. And then I pressed it and then I stitched it down again so that it's a lot more secure and the binding and the interfacing aren't popping out. This was happening only inside the dress and I had worn it a few times without fixing it. But every time I put it away, I noticed that it did need repair. And so I'm glad I took care of that. And the third thing I fixed was the first Ogden cami that I made. And I noticed that I maybe didn't use the seam allowance necessary for the straps. Either that or I cut them a little close. And it had come unstitched and sort of all frayed on the um, shoulder straps of this camisole. It would require kind of dismantling the entire garment to re these. Also, the fabric was so frayed that I would probably have to make new straps and I don't have any of that fabric anymore. So what I decided to do, because the damage um, can't be seen, it's on the underside of the strap, I cut a very slim piece of fusible interfacing and I slipped it into the hole, cut away all of the frayed bits, and then put a lot of steam and heat on that fusible interfacing so that it would just catch together and be a little bit more secure. So on one of the straps, I had to do this in three different places where it was coming apart. But I think it will extend the life of this camisole and, um, you know, cutting away all that fraying. I feel like the more something frays, the more it's going to fray. So it kind of like closed that up and tidied it up a little bit. And then after all that, I took quite a few pieces out of my wardrobe and did some ironing so that I would have garments ready for back to school without thinking about that or attending to that in the morning before work. And thinking of ways to streamline my morning routine and eliminate a lot of decision making has proven really helpful to me in the past. And so I'm hopeful that taking these measures will make an easier back to school transition. I've been thinking quite a bit about mending because I read a piece in um, Selvage's online um, kind of excerpts of their magazine about mending. So issue 102 of Selvage Magazine is titled Mend. It's devoted to issues of mending. And the title for this episode, Ordinary Wardrobe Magic, comes from a bit that I read online and that I'd like to share with you. I will link it in the show notes. You can certainly find more by subscribing to Selvage and receiving the magazine or purchasing the magazine online. This excerpt of an article is accompanied by several images of Celia Pym's mending. And I was very fortunate about a year ago, I guess, to uh, take a lecture class with Celia Pym on um the topic of mending, through tatter. It was an online lecture, and she showed a lot of examples of her visible mending. It says, We're continuing our discussion on the theme of mending by asking some of our salvage writers and contributors to tell us why they mend and what repairing textiles and fabrics means to them. And this, what I'm going to share now, is from Kate Sikoulis, a clothes historian, writer, and mender. Why do you mend? What does repairing textiles or fabrics mean to you? Mending, to me, is part of getting dressed. And getting dressed has little to do with fashion, as we know it. Clothes and design are lively arts we have to find in the field, not from most shops and certainly not from out-of-fashion industrial complex. Mending is also an art form, a scrappy one. It's extemporizing with cloth and thread, a creative, personal process that's way more than just repair. More and more of my clothes are mended, always extremely visibly so that my relationship with what I wear is inextricable from my textile interventions, my fiber art practice. I call it menditation. It's good for the soul. And actually, I believe that clothes have little souls. They interact materially with their wearer, and absorb life force over the years. We take this ordinary wardrobe magic for granted. The lucky socks, the results dress, the inexplicably favorite old t-shirt. But it should be honored, and that's what a loving bout of mending does. Thanks for listening. To all of my fellow educators, I want to give you a special shout of strength and best wishes for inner peace and calm as we approach this academic year. For educators, the end of August, beginning of September is like the new year I never really understand New Year's resolutions very well, um, because for me, that's happening in the middle of something that already started. Now is the time uh, for establishing routines, getting grounded, thinking about that year ahead, and all of my New Year practices really center around this time of year. And this year, I really hope to make mending and wardrobe and that ordinary magic of what I'm wearing part of my centering practice. And I invite listeners uh, to join in with that. And if you have stories or special connections about how what you're wearing helps inform your practice at work or in your life, I would love to hear them. I think that's kind of a fascinating realm of a mostly handmade wardrobe. We always talk about making clothing for events. I think that's very typical uh, to look ahead and to have a project in mind for a certain occasion or event. But what about that ordinary magic of what we wear every day and how that brings us power and restores a sense of self, helps clarify our identity. What about that? I'd love to hear your stories about that. Be well and have a good week.